You're listening to the Guys Who Do Stuff podcast. All right, we are very excited today to have our guest, Maddie Blanchard, on the show. And man, she was a lot of fun. If we ever brought on a third host, it would it would be Maddie. I think, I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's such a go getter and a rainmaker, and a great topic. Just the theme of the episode is basically just about showing up and serving, which is just a noble idea and something that we all need to be reminded of. Love it. Love so it. Let's jump into this episode with Maddie Blanchard. Get it done. Do this stuff. I just show up. That's my job. <laughs> I did, show up and serve, right? Where did you first hear that quote? I heard it. Woody Allen said it. 80% of success is showing up. When did, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the way? Is, did you hear from Woody Allen or somewhere I else? I didn't. Um, you know, I learned that as a part of my recovery journey, honestly, because I didn't have the ability to show up um, for, a, for a big part of my life. Mm. Um, there were times when I did and that would unfold. And then, um, but today that's just part of... Um, trusting and you know part of turning over to a higher power and I show up and it's like none of my business what the results are my job's to turn up and serve nice that's a tough principle to learn but super true like it's really none of your business how people respond Mm. uh, to whatever it is that you're doing I heard that about reviews and it really challenged me because somebody said, it's none of your business how people review your business. And you're like, well, it kind of is, isn't it? But your job was to do your job, whether you have a service or whether you have a product and to do that to the best of your ability and then how they respond to it, it's out of your control. And I think that's what they mean by none of your business. It's out of your control. Absolutely. You don't get to control it. So the best, the only thing you can control is your end of it, which is showing up and showing up, serving, serving. Exactly. So right. you are our, this is an exciting day. You are our yes. first female. A little f- bit. I'm a little embarrassed about that <laughs> personally. <laughs> because <of your laughs> we started the show like guys who do stuff is in Josh and I are the guys that are going to challenge ourselves to do stuff. Yeah. And then we just had guys on for like the first 13 <laughs> episodes. <laughs> I love it. And people, I love it. That unfolds, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, it was this question mark for a while. Like, what are you going to do? And then people were saying, what are you going to do? And like, well, we'll just do as we do. And Right, you're just going to turn up. Yeah, just show up and serve. <laughs> right, right, right. And yeah. I love how we met because we were actually at the Diamond Awards. Yep. And um, I can't even remember what sparked the conversation, but we <laughs> just were chatting. And, um, you know, it's those kind of, there was a couple of degrees of separation and some people that we knew. And yeah. And then look, and here we are now. And then I was able to kind of on the journey recently meet some people that I thought maybe of interest. And it was like, it wasn't me. It was just this, I was like, gosh, I was like, I need to send Josh, uh, this guy's information. Um, and I don't know, you know, it's just like responding to that, um, that call. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And we're very excited to have you. So Maddie Blanchard. Right. Thank you for being on the podcast <laughs> with us. Uh, you're an account executive at Midtown. That's right. And, I just um, got made associate publisher of Carrie Living. Oh, and, wow. Um, Congratulations. You know, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> this is a big day. Um, you know, it's one of those things where, um, how can I put this? Um, there was a time previously, like there would have been a high off of that. Um, and there's just, uh, I don't really know how to explain this. It was really just a case of last, last year, I, you know, because of, um, you know, various, well, because I'm in recovery now, there were certain things I did, like we were just talking about, like showing up, you know, and, um, 
you know, when they offered that to me after the first year, it truly was because of principles that um, recovery gave me. Um, so I'd love to claim that as like some big, you know, but it's <laughs> nothing's changed. I'm still you know, I'm, I'm definitely involved with the strategy of the magazine, you know, and, and one of the reasons it came about was because, you know, I had ideas of ways to add value to my clients, but all of that goes back to that serving, you know, how can I truly serve today? How can I um, be of more value? That's all that's my business. The rest is gravy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happened, you know, so um yeah. So thanks for having me. Yeah. We're oh, excited. It's an honor. So before you were at Midtown, so you've been there for about a year. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. now you're the associate editor at, of Carrie Living. Yeah, Moving on up. Yes. Yeah, so publisher. Hey, we can't license that. And I have, to, <laughs> I have to, I have to say that it's, uh, so Carrie Living is, I, I actually, I sell into Midtown and I'm a, you know, we're actually starting to brand the magazines uh, a little more closely together. And it serves my clients to um, package the two magazines together because the city limits are blurring. All yeah. those folks moving mm-hmm. from up north. People just say rally and they mean the rally area. Absolutely. Or they say the triangle and they mean everything between Charlotte and the beach. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so why wouldn't you be in 50,000 copies as opposed yeah. to 25, you know, but those, those, those clients that maybe are the smaller boutiques that want to kind of target a certain area and it makes sense for them, you know, they can choose Carolyn living or they can choose midtown depending on the area um so i was but just to be clear i was made associate publisher of carrie living because right. um we have um, a wonderful publisher and editor connie gentry who i absolutely adore working for yeah um class act she's awesome. such a sweetheart i've met her just a couple of times like wow this what a beaming light of awesomeness yeah. is connie I think uh, we're in Cary. I live in Cary. I love Cary. Josh and I love Cary. We we love talking to people who live in Cary. We got, uh, we're excited. We got the guy from uh, Colin, who is Mate. him and his wife mm-hmm. at the Maiden Inn. We get to interview soon, which yeah. is really excited to talk to them. Just, yeah. I love the, the energy in Cary for what feels like small business. And I don't know, because I just recently jumped off the cliff and, and doing this full time now, starting my own company. And I think... It might be like when you just buy a new car and then you see everybody else has your car. But uh, I'm really just like, wow, there's a lot of great small business, medium sized business people in the startup phase here in the area. And I think we're a bit of kindred spirits because Josh and I and, and you we're all about helping people grow their business. Absolutely. One hundred percent. And that's that. Ha- that's that place of, you know, when you're like. You don't even know what time it is. You're not watching the clock like my um, my place of, you know, of, of bliss, if you like, is when I'm, you know, cheerleading a business and I'm talking to them about, you know, how we're a piece of the puzzle, because it's not just about, you know, a print ad it's about you know being a part of a community with us but it's also about how we fit in in the bigger picture you know what are they putting out on their social media um you know all of those other pieces maybe they're maybe they're doing some other prints you know what makes sense for them and i believe if i understand that and i can um you know serve them and, and cheer them on you know, I'll get taken care of, which, you know, let's face it, I have bills to pay. We all have. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it's that, it's that where I can, I can serve, like we've said, and, um, you know, cheer them on and really get to know them and get to know them as people. Mm-hmm. You know, I often, when I go to a, you know, sales meeting, <laughs> um, you know, I just kind of remember like, 
I'm talking to who knows what's going on in their life right now. You know, you walk in and sometimes you get that feeling they're distracted. They've got things going on. Maybe they're super stressed with, um, you know, managing people. Maybe if they are a business, you know, startup business, especially maybe it's their first time doing that. Um, and so before I even, you know, who knows whether we're actually the right fit for them. You know, I need to really connect with them and get to know them and, um, you know, develop a level of trust and, um, you know, all take care of that. And then the rest gets taken care of. That is so beautiful. Yeah. I'm dealing with that in my own transition right now from doing everything on my own to partnering and doing things more as a team and having that mindset is something that is a priority for me at this time from the sort of feast or famine mindset. Let's feast on like, and by doing that, by seeking to know someone and what they're going through and and seek to understand them and how to serve them back to that word. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And then everything else takes care of itself. Absolutely. Yeah. You were, you were mentioning earlier that, um, like selling ads or buying ads is one piece of the puzzle. And I think uh, there's marketing is such a huge term. I like to think that marketing is storytelling, like getting your story out there. There's a couple of components that I kind of are core to the, to my approach when helping a client out and one there's, there's no silver bullets. I think people want to know what's the latest, coolest thing. If I give Facebook 20 bucks, am I going to be like super popular now? Is that <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> Can I, I heard this thing. Somebody said, if I give them all my money, they'll change my SEO. I don't know what that means, but it's going to be, I'm going to get all kinds of business. Right. Right. Um, but it's the principles have remained pretty similar. Uh, a lot of marketing can fall under the category of just like an awareness campaign. And I think that's what you're talking about. There's a stat that BNI, Josh ran BNI and they do a lot of in-depth study and they're not the only one to do this, but they said it's seven to 12 touches before somebody decides to do business with you. Right. So they have to run into you seven to 12 times before they choose to do business with you. And if you rewind, I remember hearing about like marketing stats back when, um, before like SEM and paid online marketing, the numbers seem to be even higher. Like it was like seven times they see your billboard, Right. <laughs> the eighth time they read it. Uh, you know, and it's just, uh, the idea of showing up in somebody's lives and competing for all the, for a little bit of time in somebody's life right. is, is crazy. And that's mm. really, that's really interesting. It makes me think about, you know, um, my client is not going to be necessarily your client. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this like letting go of kind of scarcity and, um, you know, just embracing that, um, you know, when people talk about it's a numbers game, you know, that can sound cutthroat, but it is in the sense of I'm looking for clients that I can really serve and that are my clients because there are other account execs that bring different qualities to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, knowing that I, I'm not going to, maybe I'm not meant to serve this person. Um, and so, you know, uh, keeping that door open, um, you know, staying in touch with them, but, but moving on. And talking to the next person. And is that person really, am I kind of trying to force that? Yeah. Um, because I am trying to, you know, over here, take care of things, um, you know, for myself, or am I really just connecting with that next person that I can truly, you know, show up for? And that is, is my client, yeah. you know, mm. not everybody's my client and that's okay. Um, it kind of maybe sounds a little nuts, but, um, you know, I, I, I've been doing this about 10 years and I remember, you know, in the beginning, um, 
I was, it wasn't really a sales training situation. I was, I was really amazingly given the opportunity, um, to go out there on the outer banks. Um, and I was given the materials. I was given the media kit. I was given some products and I was told the beach was that way. And it was the best training ever because I had to go and show up and I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and I remember this poor guy in this bank. I think the only reason he gave me um, an opportunity to sit down with him because I had an English accent. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But through that, you know, the challenges of just wanting to make everybody my client and feeling like if they weren't, I'd failed. Um, And then over time, realizing that everybody is your client and just trusting that, you know, you're building over time this community and there's those people that are meant to be in your in your sphere. Yeah. 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 I think it's a, it can be a bit of a mind shift or a paradigm thing as well. Like, um, you know, the principle givers gain, or I just recently read a book. It was really good. And now I'm blanking on the name. Uh, it was go giver. It was one of those, it was one of those books, like a Patrick Lecioni kind of (laughs) like a story kind of thing where this guy finally got to sit down with a very successful business guy. And then he just kind of messed with his mind. He's like, we're going to play a game. You're going to do this. And it was an interesting book, but it was about the idea of, if you serve, then the nature of stuff is it's reciprocal. And, uh, and the people that approach their life and I'm here to help versus I need everybody to be my client. Cause I'm trying to grow a bank of business because it's all about me. Mm-hmm. Amen. There's something different about that approach that turns people off. And there's something yeah. warm and inviting about somebody that genuinely wants to see you grow. Yeah. To see to see your business grow and would that they're be just a interested mic drop in right there? Would that be yeah. a mic drop? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, these mics are mounted on no, these big claws. <laughs> it would be like, hold on, give me a couple of minutes. I need a specialized tool to get this part out, and then we can drop the mic. Let's not drop these mics, guys. Yeah, let's now. not drop them. We can even use some mics just for dropping in this place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for so I'm curious. Do you um do you ever get anybody? anymore still talking about like, uh, and I'm going to say that it's silly because I want to start by talking about the music industry for a second in the music industry. When like Napster came out as I'm old, um, and then everybody started digitally downloading when iTunes came out, the panic was music is dead. It's over. And the fact is it changed. Um, but music didn't go away. They're still churning out the exact same amount of music. Uh, music is still growing and, and good to listen to. And we all listen to it all the time. We yeah. just now say Alexa first or whatever. Yeah. Oh no, she's going to talk. <laughs> yeah. um, right. But, uh, and I think people had the same negative reaction when a couple newspapers started to fail uh-huh. because there was a shift in the way or the method to print that was going on and some people chose not to adapt. And so you kind of had the early fall off of the people that are like, no, I'm not changing the way I'm doing it. But, um, I wonder if, do you still get that? Like, why should I, why should we use print? Right. Like print right, doesn't exist. Like, right, right, <laughs> right. And in, um, you know, in our market, like hyper-local, you know, print market, we, um, we have a 97% pickup rate with Kerry Living. We have a 98% pickup um, rate with Midtown, which means, you know, we're not picking up magazines and recycling them at the end of the, um, yeah you know, print period where they're out the distribution period, they're out there. And, you know, what I find is I worked for, well, there's a couple of things I want to speak to. Yesterday, actually, I was in uh, Northridge pubs, my clients, they have that and cafeteria masseau. Amazing guys, absolutely love them. But we were served by, um, I guess he would 
still be a millennial. Um, but he was actually talking about, um, you know, subscribing to print publications because, you know, when he uses his phone. Now it's retro and ironic. Right, now. exactly. Like, yeah, I subscribe to magazines. <laughs> hey, it's me. I'm back. Right, right. Well, <laughs> we're, we're blasted all day and we're on our phones all day. And yeah. so things kind of come full circle. And there's something much more, uh, you know, ritualistic about sitting down with a magazine. And for me as well, and for a lot of people I speak to, you know, you, my phone, I have an intention. I pick up my phone. I want to text. I'm getting messages. I'm looking at my email. I'm sending emails. I'm on some social media, but then I don't want to necessarily have those ads popping up all the time or um, you know, so when I sit down with a magazine, it's my attention. It's yeah. like that ad we were talking about with um, mm-hmm. uh, Joe, you yeah. know. That's a great ad. I know. Oops. <laughs> In the Midtown magazine, we were chatting before, I think we started recording, but uh, she was like, there's a great ad where less is more. And I was like, oh, that one, because I recognized it immediately because it got me twice. Yeah, once in Cary Living and once in, in Midtown. And uh, it's just Ja Real, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, dot com. Uh, but just this cute picture of a puppy on a blue background and just his domain. That's it. One full page. And yeah. both times that I saw it, the first time I saw it, I looked it up and I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then I totally forgot what he did. And then <laughs> I went back the second time and almost forgot what he did. But kind of speaks to the, the notion of like, that's how many times it takes to get somebody's attention. Absolutely. So let's talk about that for a little bit. Like, what are some of the things that you've seen from working in advertising for, you said, about 10 years? Like, what are some of the things that are anatomy of a good ad? If you're a business person and you're like, man, I need to make an ad. Well, let's just start with like, what are the things that you should not do? Okay. Oh, definitely. Um, too, you know, like we've talked about, you know, too much information, too much text. People are not going to read um, all that text, you know, up front. Um so, so just like we've said, you know, less is more, you know, it's funny, um, a while ago, years ago, actually, um, I worked for a real estate outer banks magazine and it was a, a new magazine. And I had a couple of realtors that were just knocking out the park and getting amazing results. And they, they had their dogs in their ad. Mm. It was them. So you could see who they are, you know, and there was that human connection. Yeah. Um, there was one in particular, he was up on the sand dune there and he had his dog with him. People love dogs and they love animals. If you have a dog, you know what it's like. I want a dog. <laughs> <laughs> you can have this one. I'll take that one. <laughs> <laughs> JPEG, we put a couch in the studio. So JPEG's just making her, she's already asleep. Oh yeah. God. She appears in every episode by oh a bark. I <laughs> love it. Yeah. I love it. But yeah, so there's, there's things, um, you know, and it's interesting that um, Joe Reale actually, you know, has that dog with his website across it on a big, on a, you know, full page. Yeah. You know, some of the other mistakes are, I feel, you know, and I know there's a sweet spot budget wise, um, but, you know, running, you know, a small ad in one issue and expecting results in print, um, it doesn't serve my clients. I don't like to sell that. Yeah. Um, so. People know. like to kind of dip their toe and it can be counterintuitive when it comes to marketing. Absolutely. Like, I'm just going to try a little bit, but there's a consistency that goes with good marketing. We're trying a little bit. It's kind of like not trying. Absolutely. Which just kind of bites people. Absolutely. And then, you know, one of the things that we deal with as account execs is, um, you know, I, I don't want anyone to have buyer's remorse. Yeah, you know, I'm so, I mean, at this point, when we go back to like serving and serving wholeheartedly, 
And this may sound, like I said, a little nuts, but I don't really, I don't, I don't feel good about selling someone at one sixth of a page for one issue. You know, you, you know, three issues, you're getting six months of consecutive print advertising at a decent size and less is more. And let's think about that. You were talking about that story. What story are we telling? One of the things I love in an next issue is, um, Faces of Raleigh and Faces of West Wake. And um, one of the reasons I love it so much is um, we take the business owner, we do these black and white photography um, photo shoots and um, they have, you know, like a hundred words. We talk about them and it's really faces to names. And there was actually one that we just, the two that stand out to me this last time. Uh, one was for fur baby pet sitters and Audra, she was on the boil and bridge and she's got her, she's a, you know, she's got her dogs. Um, she's a white glove pet sitting company and she's got, uh, the Dalmatian on a leash and she's in this. She's such a fun, um, just amazing, beautiful, um, person that is really coming from a place of service. But she, and she was there in her, t- she had like this gorgeous outfit and a tutu and she's got her dogs and these doodles and she's on the boiling bridge in the city that she's serving. Yeah. And I went actually, Joe Reale was doing that photo shoot and we, I went along and I got to be Joe's assistant, which was mm-hmm. really cool. I love to do that. And we, this, this, it just came out beautifully. And, so when people are looking at ads and we can like faces is a great example of that, you know, um, you're getting to see that business owner in the city that they serve, um, you know, yeah. and another one, just quick example was, um, so Sean Provost, she has unbreakable. It's a new brand. It's for her, that she's, you know, bringing out, she's, um, one, oh, I don't know. She's done Ironman and got amazing, yeah. you know, health and fitness coach. So we shot her up on top of uh, the Dylan and she had five of her clients surrounding her. Um, we did it, it. And it was amazing that day because we were on our way and the rains came. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I just knew, I don't know, I, I, I sent her a message. I knew she might be a little bit worried. And I said, it's still on. We're going up there. You know, everyone was ready and on board. And we Where got did you it, shoot it? On top, on of- top of the Dylan. Okay. On top of the Dylan. And the idea for that was like, she's such a, you know, it's like reach for the sky, you know, reach, you know, having her on top of the building um, with her clients. And we got up there and can I say y'all I've been here like, yeah, yeah. I've been here a few years. Sure. <laughs> so y'all, the rain, <laughs> the rain stopped for like two perfect hours. <laughs> oh, wow. And we shot this amazing shoot anyway. So she, you know, so uh, like we were going back to, you know, ads i i love faces because it puts faces to names and it's and it's those business owners you know in different scenarios of of where they're serving and that's kind of it's the issue of the year for me it's definitely my happy place (laughs) so what are some of the things that uh that good ads do that poor ads don't Oh gosh, make the phone ring. Make people come in. <laughs> um, you know, well, a terrible ad will, um, you know, give my client buyer's remorse and oh, that's just, that feels awful. Yeah. Um, which is, which is. So what are some of the recipes that go into that? I have to imagine when people design it themselves and that's not their strong oh, suit. Yes. 
We have, so we have, um, do you guys have any guidelines? Cause you're, you're trying to keep a consistent brand and then you allow an advertiser to come in and they're like, I love comic sans and terrible clip art. What do you say? Here's my ad. Right. Do you guys ever have to sit somebody down and be like, listen, we love your thing, but seriously, you got to do better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think that just goes back to that, like, you know, that honesty. Um, and you have to, you know, at the end of the day, the client is the client and, you know, we actually, we have our own kind of brand that we're maintaining, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, kind of, um, design integrity. And so, you know, there are those occasions where, you know, I guess that's part of the account exec's job is to manage that process. Yeah. Um, but it's probably less about protecting your brand and more like, I want you to have a successful ad. Absolutely. 100%. And this doesn't communicate. This 100%. isn't you at your best. Like absolutely. normally, you know, your client and you're like, this isn't, this doesn't represent. And one of the things I think we've done in the past is, you know, present them with an alternative. Mm -hmm. And when they see that and they see how you guys offer design services. Yes, we do. Yeah. Mm. And it's included in the price. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. We love to do that. Very cool. That's very cool. It's very cool. <laughs> you just get just you so cool. close to your mic when you talk. That's yeah. very cool. <laughs> I've learned over time. I love this process, by the way. It's fun, isn't it? This is so cool. Yeah. I know, right? I was telling Jack, I wonder if it's not just, like, how often do you just have a conversation with a human for like an hour? Yes. Not like, often. That's why I think podcasts are so interesting. <laughs> We're so bad at it. We'll just choose to listen to other people doing it just because we just don't get enough of it in our lives. Because we alone, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like you listen to another conversation alone. It's like you're eavesdropping. I love yeah, it. Have I you ever it. like listened to one of ours like in the car? Is that a little weird? Have you ever listened to? You know, Johnny Depp never watches his movies. Some movies he's never even seen. And yeah. that stuck with me. And I was like, I'm going to approach my life that way because I did some acting work. But then yeah. I just watched it. <laughs> I didn't like watching as much as I like listening to this podcast. This is a fulfilling thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think people say stuff and I want to remind myself they say really good things. Well, it's not just I'm hearing my voice. I'm hearing the conversation and learning from it. Right. Yeah. So there, I, I, I often find like, oh, I need to get better at being yeah. a conversationalist and <laughs> not oh, interrupting yeah. people. You're good, Joe. <laughs> you ever you're listen good. to yourself and be like, oh, that was why just that? <laughs> well, it's funny when you guys, you know, invited me to do this, I mm. actually called a couple of friends. And I was like, you know, when you're asked to do something, you say yes, right? You know, it's kind of a new principle. <laughs> it's like default. Like, yes. 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 Um, <laughs> but I actually said to one or two of them, I said, I'm not going to listen to it. I was like, I just, uh, can you listen to it for me? And I'm just going to get, a, you know, on with my life. I was, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sure they'll edit it. <laughs> It'll be fine. I'm curious if you're going to listen to it. I bet you will. The Guys Who Do Stuff Challenge. All right, we interrupt this episode with Maddie to talk about a great topic that we've been spending some time on, which is showing up and serving. Mm. Being there, 80% of success is showing up. That's right. I guess the other 20% is serving, right, Jim? (laughs) It might be. (laughs) Well, it reminded me of this book that I was reading recently called uh, The One Minute Salesperson. And there's this principle in there that the book, the author refers to as the wonderful paradox. And it's this, I have more fun and enjoy more financial success when I stop trying to get what I want and start helping other people get what they want. Bam. That's such an important point because I think... I know it's just perspective and I think you might think, oh, it doesn't change that much, but it actually changes everything. Mm. If you are coming at your approach to your business with how can I help my customers get what they want, it's going to be more enjoyable for you. And that's a, that's the paradox, I think. Mm. Yeah. It's the human thing, isn't it? 
it's it givers like in BNI too. There's givers gain and mm-hmm. and it goes all the way back to putting do it to others. I think a big part of it is people can smell that. Like they know when you're trying to help them and when you're trying to help you. Yeah, I think that's my problem with like the the kind of the popular thing right now, which is hustle and grind is that it feels very self-centered. Like I hustle and I grind and it's all about me and therefore I'm successful when I'd have no problem with hustle and grind for my clients because we're here to serve. Yeah. And part of that doesn't feel like service to me. Unless you're, unless you're a competitor of ours, you're welcome to keep hustling and grinding selfishly. Please do. Absolutely. You just hustle and grind until it just falls off. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Drill yourself down into the core of the earth while we just maintain balance up here on the surface. Yeah, man. Let's get back to this episode with Natty. Rock on. So what are you excited about as your as your role in Carry Living changes? You know, I'm really excited, you know, strategy wise. Um, we had an amazing meeting um, just here recently and it was kind of um, out of that meeting that the associate publisher role was was offered to me. And, um, you know, we know that uh, the community part of it, bringing um, the added value of holding more events. Uh, for instance, this is going to be the first year in May that we're going to bring our partners, advertisers from uh, Kerry Living and from Midtown and have um, a faces after party and have an opportunity for them to network with each other. Because a mm-hmm. lot of the time, you know, they want to be um, they're doing business with each other. So uh, so really just ways that we can um, hold after print, um, you know, uh, networking events. Uh, and I can get the other part, the other piece to that for me is, you know, having my clients in one room and being able to, um, you know, network with them all together. Cause y'all, there's only so many hours in a day and so many quality touches to the level that we're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, um, with that kind of service that I want to offer. There's only so many, you know, touches you can have in a day. And so, um, you know, having more opportunities where that add value to them, where they can network together, but then I can touch them all at one time, Mm. you know, in a room and offer them it's it's added value for them. And I think that goes back to, um, you know, how can I serve them best and what can I, uh, you know, what can I, how can they win? If they're winning, I'm winning, Yeah, you know, um, I think there's definitely like a tone to your guys' magazine too. And a lot of the people that advertise would be great referrals for each other. Like they could really do a lot of business together, but without that in, without that opportunity, opportunity, without that uh, introduction, like, Mm -hmm. Hey, you do this, you do this. You guys should talk. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the community. That's that community. And I really believe, you know, on a, a fundamental level that, uh, that's how communities went to work, right? Mm-hmm. Right? That we all, we're all connected and that we're all of service. And I don't know, that's super exciting to me. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you wish as because I'm sure now having been in your profession for about 10 years, like you said, what do you wish you would have learned sooner? Like, what have you gotten better at that you're like, oh man, if I would have learned that sooner, I would have been in a much different spot by now. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'll just be, you know, candid with you. When I first got into sales, it was about me, and mm. it was a roller coaster. It was um, about 
don't get me wrong. I don't think I was like this terrible person (laughs) or anything. You're so selfish. (laughs) I was so selfish and self-centered, but I really didn't understand. Plus I was 10 years younger, you know? So, um, but I really didn't understand. I know my ego was huge too. Um, well, you drove a Corvette, right? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Actually, I think it was in a Toyota Highlander at the time, but anyway, but I, um, yeah, the roller coaster of that, um, the roller coaster, you know, working from home was such a personal development trip. I mean, mm. having to get up and be motivated, um, honesty, ooh, that's a word right there. <laughs> um, because it wasn't cash res- register honesty that, you know, I was fortunate not to struggle with. It was, it was, you know, I'd make a sale and the adrenaline and the, um, roller coaster of it, you know, I'd kind of need to go get myself a coffee and relax afterwards. And then, um, you relax with coffee. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds counterintuitive, but, um, just the roller coaster of those early years in sales. Um, you know, it's like deep down, you know, I cared, but it was my first time in sales and I just wanted to sell. And yeah. I wasn't coming from, you know, um, a place of really seeing how we could like a consultative approach. I wasn't coming from that. I, you know, I was in sales. I was going to make money and I'll just be honest. I don't know whether you should, uh, I'm not sure about what this should go out there, but, um, (laughs) but just to be honest, I think anyone that's early in sales, you get into it because it's like, it's, it's a job, it's career and you're, you know, um, so over the years, the highs aren't as high and the lows aren't as low, but where I get my highs now is from the service. Yeah. Um, so do you think, was there a light bulb moment for you where you changed from uh, focus on you and the seller's high to being more of a consultant driven? I mean, how did that sticking in it long enough that happens to everyone? What do you think? Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure about other people. I know that I began to work for, I went to work, um, for a company called Silicon Travel and I kind of realized probably about five years in that that's really where you know, my happy place was, um, that consultative approach. I think I began to sell that way, but didn't really realize it. Um, but where the, you know, where the, what do they say? Rubber hit the tarmac or something like that. The rubber hits the road. Something like that. (laughs) Where the rubber hit the road for me. I like that. Like, would you say where the rubber hits the tarmac? I like that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 In airplane terms. It's about planes. Yeah. That's super British. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but for me, there was, um, so back in 2016, um, I actually was made redundant and, uh, lost my job. Um, and, Uh, I ended up um, in recovery. And to be honest uh, and just really candid, that was where um, I had, I was, I was really put on my knees humility wise. And um, there were principles that were taught to me during that year out um, that I didn't really understand at the time. Um, but when I came back into my career a year ago, they unfolded in that and they're the reason that I have that. It was like everything I was missing from before being kind of brought to my knees and, you know, facing losing my career. 
Mm. Um, that when I came back into it and I moved to Raleigh, um, all of that, it was amazing how it all worked out. All of that, those principles, you know, being a worker among workers, um, being honest, you know, um, coming from a place of service. It's not about me. Um, those are principles that, you know, as a salesperson, um, it's, it's kind of, you know, it can be a bit of an ego trip. Um, and then going through that and facing and being sat there thinking that I might never be in advertising again, that I might never be an account exec again, not knowing, um, you know, that was losing that. Um, I mean, there were other personal parts in that journey, obviously, that were huge too. Um, but it was, um, you know, I had the mirror held up and becoming aware of, you know, my character defects and flaws. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so that was, uh, I hope that's not TMI. It's <laughs> no, good. It's good. It's in line with what we've heard from other successful people who have checked inside or been introspective and yeah. faced the mirror. Right. When you look back to, um, to before you learned the lesson of humility and you said sales was, it was all about me. What do you think was driving you back then? Fear. Fear? Mm. Yeah. Financial fear. Um, financial fear and fear of, um, that I'm not, you know, my, my, my identity and success being my self-worth. Um, you know, that the sale was my, my worth was based on, those highs of the sale. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the more sales I got, the more worthwhile and worthy or worthy yeah. I was. Um, I think that probably describes where most people are in that phase of life. And when you're scared, you do really dumb stuff. Like gosh. if you're in sales and you're scared, then you might do stuff like only tell people the really good thing about your product and yeah. not be super honest about like the potential downside of going too far into something. Mm-hmm. And, um, when you fast forward though, and you, you learn through, and I think that's such an important thing. All of us have to get there. I think it's part of maturing. There's this quote, I think it's A.W. Tozer. And, um, but it says that God cannot use someone until he wounds them very deeply. Gosh. And I think the idea of humility is it's almost, I don't, I struggle with that. Like as a parent, like how do I teach humility? Mm. Like how do I, I know I should model it. Right. Mm. Um, but like when you're young and you haven't screwed up a lot, right. it's really hard to be like, no, you, you gotta. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's really easy to think through and put yourself in that position. When you think back to when you were younger about just, um, the challenge of, uh, I guess I think of it like this. There's you're chasing after something and when you're motivated by the wrong thing, the best you can get is short-term fulfillment. Absolutely. Where you can look back and be like, that's great. And then it's like a Chinese meal. It's like 15 minutes later, you're like, I need to sell something else or I need to do something else because that wore off way too quick. Absolutely. And then when you, when you find a place where you're motivated by putting others needs first, like you were saying, like serving, you can look back on doing a good job where you help somebody like legitimately help them three years and be like, get that same dopamine hit Mm. that you got when you first did it, Mm. where it's so, it's so shallow when you approach it as a selfish thing. Absolutely. 100%. And I think about like, 
you know, what are they saying? Pain is the touchstone of change, something along those lines. And, um, you know, with my daughter, um, you know, and, and also between me and my higher power as a parent, because that's the kind of relationship I have with my higher power, it's like allowing the consequences, allowing, you know, I feel like my higher power allowed me to to walk out some consequences and sit in some consequences that I absolutely needed. Um, and, you know, I think about the pain that, that, that I went through in that experience. Um, but it was, you know, God knew that's what I needed. And even though I couldn't understand why God, like why I would be in so much pain and why, you know, he wouldn't just come and like sweep me up, you know, sweep me up. You know, I felt the presence of my higher power the entire time. And when I turn it and I kept turning it over to him and then by the end of it, I understood why. And the why was because I needed that journey of humility in order to have everything that, you know, well, have everything in my life that I have today. I needed that hundred percent. And it's one of those things like down the road, you know, more will be revealed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's really funny how we like to, when everybody talks about the stuff that they went through, cause we all have stuff we've gone through. It's easy to either try to minimize it or dismiss or brush past it or speed through it. But it's usually the thing that has created the environment for the kind of life that that person's living. Like if you skip that stuff, if you like skipped out all the consequence that you have to sit under all the pain that you go through, then you would don't have a very interesting story and you are a pretty shallow and you never got, you never learned the lessons. No. And I'd still be functioning the way I did, Mm. you know, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Numbed out. Right. Mm. And it was, (laughs) I sounded British. (laughs) Numbed out. Cheers. You Cheers, know when man. you all leave, you, when you both leave here, you're going to be speaking with a British accent the rest of the day. I already am. <laughs> I'm so bad with accents; it would come out like German. How about you, Joe? No, can't do it. Give it to us. <laughs> I can't. I really right. like. Uh, I end up sounding like a terrible version of like Conan doing an insensitive impersonation <laughs> of somebody. Yeah, it's never good. Okay. <laughs> JPEG's waking up from a nap. This is you guys got no Gosh, that's on life right now. Mm-hmm. This episode brought to you by Joe's neighbor's lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, if you guys would mind helping out my daughter, she, my daughter, uh, she's my seventh grade daughter is, uh, she's going into seventh grade has decided that, uh, to make a little wager with her parents, she started a social media account for JPEG, the dog, uh, oh. JPEG underscore the underscore dog, I think is the handle. And she said, if I can get JPEG to a thousand followers, then I get to pick where we eat dinner. Okay. I'm going to share that. <laughs> oh my gosh. So do she's we, been do taking we, pictures we of the dog. with you? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Everybody who likes it, you guys come. It's a small, intimate gathering. Just us. My family, us four and a few thousand <laughs> followers. <laughs> I love it. That's yeah. great. Oh, well, what else can we cover today? I want to know about um, journeys of humility that y'all have been through, or is that, uh, do we want to go there? <laughs> sure. Sure. Shall I start or you start, Joe? Uh, well, <laughs> since I'm obviously much more humble, I'll yield it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Who comes first will be last <laughs> yes. or whatever. 
Did I say that right now? Anyway, so yeah, humble humility situations. I feel like I'm in that situation right now. I'm in a process of the the, op, the option or the opportunity to to be humbled. I just don't know how to humble it. I don't know how to. I feel like I don't want to force that causes me consequences, and I'm not trying to do something that. But it's like I'm at this wall. I think it's. I think that there's some things I need to give up. I think that 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 I know what they are, and it's like. Sometimes maybe that's, maybe that's the answer. Maybe not, you know, um, I've certainly been humbled. I think, (sighs) well, gosh, I went through a lot in my early life, like in my twenties and, uh, went to New York and let it all out, but I was also going to church, even hungover. So I think in that stage of life, that sort of, uh, that sort of, uh, was a, it was a big time for me to to change. I don't know. I'm in a place where I feel really stubborn and prideful right now. I don't know what it is. I feel, uh, I can't, uh, it's probably because you're going through a change. I'm going through a change. Yeah. And you speaking about like professional change, I think, you. but that's internal also. Yeah. It's totally related. It's real similar with me. So I just, I just quit a job I was at for nine years Hmm. where um, I had the opportunity to work with really creative and successful people that I really liked. Hmm. And, um, and then starting your own business and like, it is uh, it's definitely, so the opposite of humility is pride, right? So I know that I'm being prideful when I think things like I'm thinking right now, like I used to be this and now I'm this and, or I used, and really I'm doing the same thing. I'm helping people. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the challenge that I've been going through and it is, it is a very prideful thing. And my wife was helping remind me of this the other day, the, um, my attitude, I want my attitude to be like, man, I get to do, this is awesome. I kind of get to, to create my own schedule. I get to help people. I get to, I get to build this thing from scratch and it's an exciting adventure. Um, and I want that to be my attitude, but sometimes it's more, uh, selfish where it's like, Oh, so I get the pleasure of working like way, way many more hours to build this thing for like a tiny bit of the money that I was making before. And, um, but it's, it's the process of, So for me, I feel like the humility part that I'm going through right now is I knew I was starting over, but I didn't realize how much I was starting over at 37. Just being like, you know what? Start over. (laughs) I understand that. I understand that absolutely, like 100%. And um, I think you, if you are like, if you are truly called and it's not an ego, what do they say? Ego edging got out. Um, If you're called trusting that you show up and you do what you're called to do, that everything else is just going to (laughs) happen. You know, that's like, I mean, and there's a lot of people I feel would hear that and just be like, you're insane. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Um, But I see it. I see it every day. I see it in the rooms. I see it um, in my own life. Like I see it. And it seems like, this is what you've been called. Yeah. And I think why it's so scary for people is because what you're describing is faith. And it seems like you shouldn't approach your job with faith for an American, like the way we're wired. It's like, no, it should be up into the right a little bit every year until you're awesome. And then, (laughs) but nobody ever describes what awesome is. Right. (laughs) So we can work really hard so we can retire. So we don't have to work. 
Uh, right. <laughs> so we can finally enjoy our time and do what we want. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you can kind of step back and be like, well, what if I do both now and I can enjoy now and work hard? And uh, it's a it's a challenge. I'm, I'm starting to lean into it in a way that's really exciting. Had some man, the first couple of months were they were they were fun for me and tough. Uh, I mean, I was being sarcastic when I said fun for me, (laughs) they were tough (laughs) of, uh, just trying to change your entire mindset from, I'm going to show up to work and do a job that I really know inside and out to like, if I don't provide value, nobody's going to pay me. Right. And, (laughs) and I need to provide for my family. Like I need to contribute. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So it's been, it's been really tough, but I think, I'm more excited about it now than I have been ever before. And I think um, I'm excited for you. Yeah, I'm excited. Thank you. The uh, <laughs> there's this principle in this book that I read called presence. There's a couple of principles that I'm trying to actually figure out what they are mm-hmm. and try to learn how to apply them. One is when Charlie Ingle came on the show and he said, change your relationship with pain when it comes to running. Yeah. So I'm still trying to understand exactly what, what he means by that. Well, you did that yesterday when we ran seven miles at Umstead and you twisted your ankle, right? Yeah. And I kept running and I said, re reorientate your relationship with pain. Yeah, and all I did was keep running. <laughs> I don't know if that's the secret. And, like, you, had a 12, and you had a 12 o'clock call. That was the motivator. Yeah. yeah you have was, a 12 o'clock call. You will not miss it. I Joe. barely made it. I you got made home. It home. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was worried it was going to be a Skype call, but it wasn't because I was still sweating. Uh, but the other principle, I think that, uh, that I've really been struggling with. What was I saying? So the first one was pain. Oh, and then there's presence by, I think her name is Cuddy, the author who wrote the book presence. And she said, when you are feeling scared or fear, turn that into excitement. It's just a little shift in your mind. They say that fear and excitement causes the same wave. Yeah. Well, yeah, I learned that too. I studied acting for many years and they, that was, I heard that over and over from teachers saying uh, that in, that nervous mm-hmm. energy is creative energy. Reorientate your relationship with that nervous energy. Yeah. So that lines up. And I know like yeah. in my core, like I'm good at what I do. Like mm-hmm. I can help you as a business owner, if you will give me an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so to, but when you find yourself doing your elevator pitch or getting an opportunity to talk to somebody, that's, it's a tough switch to switch, but yeah. be like, I'm not going to be scared about like, cause then you, it's insecurity, right? Like, what are they going to think? They don't like me. They didn't buy it. I'm a loser yeah. uh, versus like, not everybody's going to be your client. Absolutely. And like you're responsible for the action and you know, God's got the results. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to share. I think I know my piece now. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. So Go, thank, thank you, Joe. So <laughs> I grew up on a farm in North Carolina. So every Saturday morning I would hear the lawnmower going. So for me, it was my dad and my dad has played a big influence in my life. I mean, I'm the oldest of three boys and I had this uh, idea of success as working hard physically, doing things physically, building fences. We bought and sold farms. We built a lot of fences. We sold Christmas trees, you know? So I was always like, okay, manual labor, that's where it's at. But I was, I'm wired a certain way and we're here making a podcast and I'm here doing creative things and trying to make a a living out of that. Right. So having this identity given to me by my dad and me saying, I'm going to go for that. And then figuring out like, well, what am I going to do for a living and with my life and then going to arts college in New York and LA and all this stuff, I've had to figure out like, well, all these things, reading a book or meditating or um, rehearsing, all this stuff isn't real work. So I've struggled with that voice saying, that's not real work. That's not real work, but it is real work. There's everybody's called to something different, right? A little bit different. We're all made very unique. And, um, you know, where I'm at now is. And you're gifted at that. <sighs> thanks. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So that's from your, that's like your dad, that's like our earthly dad, that's right? Just, that's then, so uncomfortable. When you go to Catholic, like, yeah, stop that. I was in the middle of talking. I'm sorry. I am a hard ass. I was raised in the South okay. by, a, by a tough dad and he's awesome and I love him. But, um, but yeah, that's, I appreciate that. It's, uh, it's true. So I've, I've, I've felt I've been out on my own trying to figure it out for a long time. And then I left a job five years ago and, um, decided to make videos full time and, and do photography full time after being in front of the camera and on stage and pursuing that and learning about myself enough to say, wait a minute, that's not where I want to be. I want to go this way. And now it's letting go of that control and trying to do everything and operate the cameras and be everywhere and, and having all the fear mindset of like trying to close the deal at the same time. It's just overwhelming. Yeah. And then, so through faith and through, allowing myself to stay, make different decisions in life and say, Hey, I'm going to be open enough and, and build and had just enough mustard seed of, of, of faith to say, I want to sow into relationships more than myself. And just enough of that to see, okay, there's good folks around and life evolves. And now there's, I'm facing opportunities right now in the near future of uh, being a partner in a new creative endeavor that will allow me to pull away from operating the cameras and closing the deal. And of course, closing the deal is still part of it. So this is a very relevant conversation to me and very impactful to have you here, Maddie, and hear you talk about this thing in this way. And uh, so I'm, I'm moving into a place of, again, letting go of control, right. you know, a, a new level of it, right? Mm. It's just an evolution of yeah. it in different ways. We're kind of <laughs> just like terrible as humans, right? Like we finally <laughs> learned to let go of something. It's like yeah. a monkey trap. And then we like stick our hand back in. It's like, no, I got this now. I can't let go of this. But it's totally. like constantly learning how to let go of yeah. something. Yeah. Like anytime we get something good, it's like, this is good. And it's mine. Like yeah. we turn into the right, seagulls. Right, right. But don't you think it's like, it's like that, that daily reprieve. And it's like today you can be like, oh, let go and, you know, mm -hmm. on the beam and like, you know, walking in all of that and you have that faith, like, you know, hundred percent. And then, you know, the sunsets and the sunrises and well, my, <laughs> yeah. my dad gave me some great advice when I was in the sort of the height of my struggles. And he said, Hey son, if you just get up every day and do something, it, you'll figure it out. So I did that. Showing and, up. Yeah. Show, showing up. It's funny your dad didn't say if you get up and work hard with manual labor. He'd never said that <laughs> is the thing. And I struggled with like, hey, the farm life, I just want to get away from it, which is why I ended up in New York for seven years straight or wherever and living that lifestyle. It's like, but then I figured out a little bit later that, hey, dad gave me, gave us boys something special that many dads don't give and some do, but it's like, wow, he gave us that experience of being out on the farm. I mean, I grew up with more animals than people, to I be honest. I grew up on the farm too. Did I you? Just done that. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like a, a thing to overcome in life, but you go out in the world and you figure it out and you think, Hey, wait a minute, that was a blessing in my life, that lifestyle. And it set me up for something strong that I'll it'll never leave. And I can teach it to my son. But uh, yeah, so it, and then now, and now, and now it's so great that because I get to, I get to go into that area of that I'm best in and, and it's relationships or right. the, the thing that makes me the happiest. Not that necessarily that I'm yeah. the best at it, but it's like, it makes me so happy to, to manage a relationship and by, and then learn, Hey, by managing a relationship, I'm loving, I'm loving other people yeah. and I'm becoming more unselfish. Right. And my story is evolving in that way. And that's, that's real joy. Absolutely. And I'm so thankful because then I can then send the creative person to shoot the video and I don't have to go shoot the video and I can 
manage the relationship. That's it's good. like, Thanks. oh, thank you. I think we spend <laughs> yeah. a lot of time trying to figure out the job part. Yeah. And we, we miss the point where it's about the, like you were just saying, the fulfillment part, mm-hmm. like what it is that gives you energy about your job. Mm. I remember we were talking before, uh, before you guys started listening, we were upstairs drinking some coffee yeah. and uh, I was talking about how I went to school to be a pastor, which mm-hmm. is like, everybody goes to college for something they're not doing anymore. It seems like, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I was uh for me, it was very tough to stop being a pastor because you mentioned the word calling and like I was part of the assemblies. And if you, if you let your papers lapse, like, you don't, then they print your name in a brochure and it's kind of like a little shame thing. Like this person's over now, you know, it's kind of <laughs> like, oh, they're going to go do something else. And, um, yeah. and at the time I hadn't, um, I hadn't really been part of that denomination in a long time. So it didn't make sense for me to continue to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, the, the challenge for me and the point that I was getting to, I bet if you think back in your life of the times that you're most fulfilled, you could have done that without your job title. Cause mm-hmm. I know that was the case for me. Mm-hmm. For me, what's really fulfilling is to, to help somebody through something like to have a relationship with somebody where you can, like when I look back as a youth pastor, obviously I'm motivated by getting the opportunity to mentor somebody or mm-hmm. speak into somebody's life. And when I look back on the opportunities that I had to do that, they very rarely had anything to do with my job title. Absolutely. In fact, my job title hurt me sometimes because mm-hmm. it was like as a parent, when you're like telling your kid they're awesome and you're like, you got to say that you're my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of had that bit of a weight with the youth pastor. Like, no, like you come on, you can, you really, you have to say that you're like literally paid to say those things to me. Um, And learning that it's the thing that makes you fulfilled is the thing that you should be chasing irregardless of your role has been one of the, the biggest lessons I've learned in my life because jobs can come and change and who cares? It's your job. Um, as far as your role in a company and you can get promoted out or your company can fold up, et cetera, but you still get to do what makes you fulfilled Absolutely. in whatever situation you find yourself in. Mm. So how do you connect with that? And if you've never really thought about it, I challenge you to think about it. Like what is fulfilling to you? Cause there's a way to do it in your job mm. and you don't have to change jobs. I think that's a big deal, but everybody's like, oh, I just, I feel like, and we throw around words that we might half understand. And like, I just feel like pulled or called or something into, and you're probably not telling a very good story and you need to figure out how to tell a better story with your life. Yeah. And I think part of telling a better story is, is being transparent about the the shit you've done or the walls you've hit and the bridges you've burned. I mean, for me, it's just like, God almighty, I've been married, divorced. I've been falling out of taxi cabs, wasted off my ass in New York. I've been in jail. I've been, you know, like trapped in Paris because I missed a flight and bought a cup of coffee for the guy and convinced him, Hey, please let me get on the next flight out of here and being lost in a, in a, in a, in the middle of Europe with no cell phone and, and having my passport yeah. lost in Italy. And my friend's dad's the police of chief helps me get another one. Just like, how are all these things? Like, how am I still alive? Absolutely. <laughs> now I'm right there with you with you that. Know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's funny that you were, you were talking about, um, you know, the title thing, because, um, so I was made associate publisher, um, quite a few years back with a, another, um, publishing company and the high, you would have thought I was, um, running the entire company. I mean, you know, I thought I was, I don't know. It was, I mean, I I can laugh honestly now. And, um, you know, the day there's a part of, I guess, the maturity or going through the, the humility, you know, journey that, um, when I was, you know, blessed to have 
that title change, um, you know, this time there was not that high. And there was a part of me that like, gosh, you know, you kind of you know, want that that high or whatever. But it was cool because honestly, what I do has not changed. Yeah. I mean, there's a few, you know, other areas I'm involved with, but going back to I'm still serving people, I'm still doing what I'm doing. And um, I don't know, like I get like I get that so much. Um, the highs aren't as high, but the lows. Gosh, it used to be a roller coaster, you know, just one big ego trip all the time. Mm. Yeah. I want to, I think we should do some little episodes once in a while called stupid stuff I've done and what I learned from it. <laughs> <laughs> we just tell I this, love that. Yeah, the single incident of this particular story, at least for my son to hear it one day. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe, be, maybe this can be of real value to our kids and their kids one day. Yeah. I wonder about, I, I was thinking about that the other day, like stuff on the internet lives for a long time mm-hmm. and I'm, I don't know. They say that, right? Thank but then, God it wasn't like as big one, you know, back in the day. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I think about that too. <laughs> right? like, like our kids, how old is, we how old is your daughter? No. Uh, she's nine, just ten, nine. So like our, <laughs> our kids, as soon as we let them on social media or not even that, like when they're on ours, cause everybody likes to take pictures of their kids. Mm-hmm. There is going to be a documented, like you can follow this. Right course of their life through all of the stuff that you used to have to be like on the 400th date and sitting down with mom and dad to see those photos mm-hmm. that there's just going to be like instant access for everybody that's growing up in today's day and age when it comes to, um, and then you look at like, talk about like, we're just mentioning how we were, we were suffering from not having a lot of humility and having to deal with our consequences. <laughs> you think back to the things that we used to do and you know that we were in the position there. We put them on social media, like they were cool. Like, oh yeah. Hey, I did this, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it's going to be nuts for our kids. Yeah. This is good stuff. I don't know how we're doing on time, but yeah, Maddie, it has been a blast having you yeah. here. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate yeah. it. And, uh, appreciate it. we're very, uh, honored to have, uh, a, a woman on the podcast. Finally. Finally. <laughs> where it's not just. So the point was Josh and I were guys who do stuff. Yeah. Not it wasn't all just, about just like, yeah. 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 Okay. It all unfolds though, right? It's all unfolding. It's good stuff. Yeah, like right? And I see you too. And I watch this and, um, you know, from behind the mic and, um, I see both of y'all living in that passionate place and doing something that you love. And so I just know awesome things are going to come out of that. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Maddie. Big time. Yeah. No. Well, <laughs> thanks everyone for listening to this episode with Maddie Blanchard. I love how you turned on like the professional voice. <laughs> when you closed off. So thanks for listening to the guys who do stuff podcast. Get unstuck. Tell a better story and have a good answer to the question. What, what are, are you, you doing, doing today? today? <laughs> yeah. Let's just end it poorly. Like we normally do. I like that ending. Okay. We're good with it. <laughs> All right. It's over. All right. Good job. <laughs> that is super fun. Yeah. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Get unstuck. Tell a better story and have a good answer to the question. What are you doing today? Yeah. So, wow. Thank you, Maddie Blanchard, for being the first female on the show and dropping these bombs of wisdom on us. Yeah. And also the first one to really ask us some in-depth questions. Man, she held that mirror up, didn't yeah. she? Yeah. That it was, was a good. lot of fun. She's good at that. Like, yeah. just So what are you about? Like, I want to have her back on at some point. She'll be back on at some point. Yeah. Yeah. 
was a great episode. Yeah. I'd like to thank Maddie for being on it. If you, if you haven't checked out the magazines that she currently works for Midtown or carry living. They're great free magazines you can pick up. And as she said in the episode, people really like them because there's like a 97, 98% pickup rate. Um, and they're not just recycling a bunch of old magazines out there, but that's right. It's good stuff. And they got good articles in there. I've actually read some of the articles. Good stuff. And great pictures too. Great you pictures. Know, That's yeah. right. You take pictures for that magazine I, quite regularly. I make pictures. You make pictures. Oh yeah. Biography pictures, advertising pictures, beautiful magazine. Lots of, lots of good folks involved over there. Absolutely. Yeah. Good stuff. Thank you, Maddie Blanchard. Thank you. Do this stuff.